Sifter, the podcast. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. The Golden Globes were announced on Sunday without any fanfare or even a broadcast. Power of the Dog was named the best picture drama. Of the nominees, I would have picked Coda. And West Side Story was named the best in the musical or comedy category. Although my choice from the nominations would have been Don't Look Up. I did agree that The Underground Railroad was the best TV motion picture. As Andy Edmonds mentioned in his interview last week, Dope Sick, which was shot in Virginia, had four nominations, and Michael Keaton won for Best Actor in a TV Motion Picture. Considering the Globe's tarnished reputation, it'll be interesting to see if any of the studios boast their awards in their advertising. Today, it's a bird. It's a plane. Nope, it's a Richmonder, who's a staff writer for Superman and Lois that just launched its second season. I'm talking today with Jay Jameson, who... Are you in L.A. on your lunch break? I am in L.A., yes. Yeah, I thought so. Thanks for squeezing us in. So what are you having for lunch? Uh, I had a little quinoa green salad situation. That is hilarious because in my notes I said something like a kale smoothie or a quinoa salad. And look at you, so L.A., aren't you? Very much so. Very much so. (laughs) That's great. So when we first met, I thought you were in a video that I directed when I was still working at Richmond Public Schools. And you were a kid and you were like, "Ah, maybe. I was kind of surprised you didn't remember me. But anyway, I found out later that wasn't you. It was Samuel Roberts, whose father was also a city manager. Of course, your father was city manager from 99 to 04. Were you born and raised here? I was born in Blacksburg, but then I moved to the Richmond area when I was like two. So basically raised in Richmond, yeah. So how did you get started? Were you one of those kids with the video camera running around making your own movies? or No, so I always loved uh, storytelling. Like I grew up with like a book constantly in my hand, reading giant thousand page fantasy novels like well before I should have been. I was like 10 years old with these like giant books. I see a theme coming here from fantasy novels. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then also comic books and graphic novels. Like I was just a voracious reader and that kind of led to me starting to write short stories because they would spark all, all of my own ideas. And so for a long time, I thought I was going to be a novelist. That was kind of more of the realm that I thought, because I didn't know filmmaking and television writing was a path that I could go down until I was in high school. And I went to film camp at New Millennium Studios out in Petersburg that was uh, you know, put on by Tim and Daphne Reed. Marty Jones, who was the general manager of the studio at the time, lived in my neighborhood and was like a family friend and was like, hey, you should go to this film camp. It'll be fun. I was like, oh, sure. Like it was like a summer thing. And that's where I fell in love with filmmaking. It was really opened my eyes to, you know, cinema as an art form and as a potential like career in, you know, form of expression and and life path. So actually that's kind of cool. Like a lot of people I've talked to, they say, I didn't realize I could make a living doing this stuff. Yeah. You know, it was definitely like kind of eye-opening just to see how the process, like behind the scenes of the process is like when I watched stuff as a kid, it was just kind of like magic. It just appeared. Like I just didn't have the concept that there was a crew and a, a writer and a director and all of the roles that went into making the thing. Right. That's when I started just making films on my own. Uh, With my friends, I'd have an idea and then I would like just get my friends together and make a short film. At the time, we had this thing, uh, Project Resolution. Footnote. Founded in 2003, Project Resolution was a group where independent filmmakers could meet and screen short films, then get feedback from their peers. 
that's really where I kind of cut my teeth as like a filmmaker and started developing my voice and my confidence, you know, where I would make these short films and get feedback from the audience. And I was able to see what worked and what didn't work. And I was able to connect with other filmmakers whose work I admired. And a lot of those people are my collaborators to this day. I want to jump to Superman and talk about that because obviously that's what you're doing. But I just wanted to mention you did do one feature that you wrote and directed, Anthony Samuels. Anthony Samuels wasn't a feature. It was a short. It was, oh, it was like, a short. I'm sorry. It came short. up in IMDb, so I assumed it was a feature. Yeah, a bunch of my shorts are on, on IMDb. But no, Anthony Samuels was the first time I worked with Cooney Oe, who is my go-to DP for a lot of my stuff. One of the people I met at Project Resolution, produced by Joe Carabea. Like, you know, so it was like getting that crew together. That was like my first kind of like short film with a budget. And then you did direct a feature, Try... Yes. How did that come about? Because I watched it and I'm like, well, this is not shot in Richmond. How did they find you for that story? Because I didn't recognize any of the names in the production. Well, a few of the names I recognized, but most of those names, I'm like, who are these people? Yeah. yeah. So Try was... Uh, let me uh, just interrupt you. Try is spelled T-R-I as in triathlon. I went to grad school at American University. One of my mentors there is Russell Williams. Footnote. Russell Williams won two Academy Awards for his sound work on Glory and Dances with Wolves. And Russell reached out to me and said, hey, you know, where in the world are you? I had just finished working on season two of Turn. Footnote. Back already. Turn, Washington Spies, which is the full title, was a series about the American Revolution. It was shot in Virginia from 2014 to 2017 and ran for four seasons on AMC. There's a producer in Northern Virginia who's looking for a director. He has a film, they have a script, they have financing, and I'd like to submit your, you know, your work. He responded to it. His name's Ted Adams. He wanted to make this movie about triathlons. He himself is a triathlete. And you can totally relate to all that, right? Not in the least bit. <laughs> Not in the least bit. It was one of those things where it's like when I interviewed with him, I was like, look, I've never done a triathlon. I've never even been to a triathlon, but I totally understand respond to the story. They, when he hired me, the first thing I did was I drove down to like Hampton, Virginia. They had a triathlon that weekend. So I just drove down to kind of be there and, and observe it. And it was one of those things where it's just, you feel the positivity and the energy of that community immediately. And that was the thing that kind of really grabbed me and drew me into the project. It was, yeah, it was one of those things. It was, it was a really, we made a film that is an inspirational sports drama. Uh, it found its audience and we're very proud of it. Yeah. And for people who want to still see it, it is actually, you can Google it. It comes up on several different, I rented it off of Amazon, but it's all over yeah. the place to rent. So how did you get to Superman? After Try, I'd made the independent film and I started leaning towards one to do television. So I found myself watching more and more television. As the television wave exploded and I saw the type of storytelling you could do in that medium, you know, as someone who grew up reading thousand page novels, there's something I really enjoy about long form storytelling, being able to tell a longer story that gets deeper into character work and has longer character arcs. And you can kind of go on tangents and, and do things in television that you can't do, you know, right. in features. And there's also with television writing, it's one of the closest jobs that to like a nine to five in the industry where you're still creative. 
uh, before I did try, I had been connected with a writer, producer, who at the time was on Vampire Diaries and named James Stottero. And we just kind of talked and hit it off. And he was like, hey, if you ever have any questions or if you ever, you know, want me to read something, you know, just reach back out. I would love to, you know, stay in touch. And so then after I made the feature, I was, I sent him the trailer and I was like, hey, I made this film. He was like, First of all, he's, you know, talked to a lot of people who are like graduating from school or like a friend of a friend who wants to get in the industry or, or whatever. And no one had reached back out to him before. Wow. And so then we just started talking and I started sending him some of my writing and he responded to it and started kind of passing it around some of his friends that he's worked with and saying like, Hey, I really like this guy. Like, I, I think you should maybe consider, you know, staffing him or meeting with him. This is the part where I got a little bit strategic. My sample that I was using was a pilot called RVA and it was, you know, about Richmond, Virginia, specifically young black millennials growing up in Richmond, a dramedy because James worked on Vampire Diaries and had an overall at Warner Brothers, which does a lot of genre stuff. It was like one of those things where I realized I needed a genre sample. I'd had this idea kicking around in the back of my head for a while, which was a script about a reimagining of the Superman mythos through the lens of the civil rights movement. I had a meeting at this coffee shop called uh, Bricks and Scones. It was a morning coffee meeting. But afterwards, I was like, I need another sample. After the meeting, I went into a little cubby at that coffee shop, and I just started writing this pilot that was in the back of my head. Like everybody else in the coffee shop, working on their screenplays. (laughs) It's so funny because, you know, when I would write in the coffee shops in Richmond, which was over seven or eight years, I would come across like 20 times there'd be someone else writing a screenplay. There'd be right. people working on other creative endeavors. Richmond's a very creative town. I love that about it. But like in terms of specifically screenplays, you know, it was like maybe 20 people. And, and most of the time I knew who they were. When I would go to Bricks and Scotts, it's like literally everyone there. It took right. For me to come across 20 people working on their screenplays. But yeah, so I, I knocked out this pilot in like two weeks. It made its way to Todd Helbing, who's the uh, showrunner, creator of Superman and Lois. And I wrote it before I even knew the show would be a thing. It was one of those things where I just wrote this script because it was the thing that I wanted to write and, and the thing I was most passionate about at that moment. Some of the advice I give to young writers is to write the thing that most excites you, that most kind of displays your voice, the thing that you would want to see on television that doesn't exist yet. So Todd read the script. We had one phone interview, hit it off. And then I was uh, hired February 2020 to start on the first season of Superman and Lois. Speaking of that, it actually premiered February 2021 on the CW and TNT. You were on the writing staff, but I know that episode number seven, Man of Steel, was your episode, which was kind of cool. How did it feel to see your name on the screen there by itself when that came up for the first time? It was very surreal. Also, just working on Superman, to be in the legacy of this character and to to be contributing to said legacy and it's just been it's one of those things where every every now and then it just hits me and i'm just i'm just floored just like the day i got the call that i was hired now i know you also co-wrote number 13 failsafe and i have to just ask you nobody really knows where smallville is it's in some generic place but they ordered chicken and waffles at the diner was that your suggestion being a southerner that Absolutely was. Uh, I thought as much. <laughs> that was that was me. I love yeah. some chicken and waffles. I was craving chicken. I wrote uh, 13 having just gotten my second shot of the vaccine. 
So I was like laid out, <laughs> like I was I was going through it, and I just really wanted some chicken and waffles. Just jonesing for. <laughs> so I was like, and I, do they sell them in LA? They must be somewhere out there. Oh yeah, we got Roscoe's out here. We've got like some famous chicken and waffles. Uh, oh, okay. In LA. Some of the yeah. When I've watched the first season, and the one thing that was surprised me watching this is it's a big show. You know, I thought it's TV. Okay, well it'll be, but I mean they're big. Superman gets in some big situations, and there's just like seeing a movie, except you see thirteen or. 14 of them. The one thing that I thought was interesting is on the CW. So there's obviously CW is known for their teen audience. And this yeah. show has Clark Kent with two teenage sons. And I know that the other executive producer, Todd Helbing, of course, the showrunner, but Greg Berlanti. Footnote. Greg Berlanti is a prolific writer, producer, director, showrunner. His first big hit was Dawson's Creek, but he's created a number of others, including Brothers and Sisters, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Arrow, Riverdale, You, Doom Patrol, Titans, and Love, Simon. I noticed that this still has kind of a vibe of Riverdale just in the vibe of it, not obviously the subject's totally different. Was that intentional or is that just the way it happened? Greg definitely has come from that kind of YA teen space for sure. You know, one of the things that Todd talked about in our interview in terms of like what the tone of the show would be, it's Friday Night Lights, but Coach and Tammy are Superman and Lois Lane. That really appealed to me, you know, as someone who loves superhero stuff, obviously, grew up reading comic books and and had like full on nerd but I also love Friday Night Lights and I love family drama and I love teenage drama. So being able to kind of exercise all of those muscles, being able to write like a Superman save or fight scene and then in the next act write a cute date scene between some teenagers and first love or some football scenes. It's just, it's really fun. And it I think it helps to kind of give the show its own specific tone and ground it in this way you know it's like obviously we're talking about superman we're talking about an alien who has these amazing powers but grounding it in the family i think is what makes the show so unique and successful it's a family drama and i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to yeah yeah i never watched friday night lights but that's okay so let me ask you this i noticed there's a lot of technical lingo in there and historical references is there some kind of like superman bible or dictionary that y'all have that you can go to and say okay when they say this that means this or do y'all just make some of that stuff up as you go some stuff we make up but we also have one of of our writers, PAs, writers assistants, and then one of our staff writers. It, like we have some Superman encyclopedias in the room. You mean human encyclopedias? Human, human right. encyclopedias. Right, yes. Right. Like Superman experts who are steeped in lore. If we have a question about something or if we're like, hey, like for our story point, we need a character or an object that kind of would relate to this or right, like right. kind of, they can pull up issues for us and like generally off the top of their head. So, you know, we'll start talking about something and then in the middle of the pitch, they'll have linked a reference to something that we're talking about. It's It's been great having them there, but we also have on my iPad, they've like uploaded all of DC comics. <laughs> like, oh, wow. so this, like I can just go and like read and get inspiration or, or look stuff up or, or what have you. So you mentioned writer's room and I know it's obviously Zoom. You're still doing Zoom, I'm assuming? 
assuming, or are y'all back in an actual room? We're still doing Zoom. We started season one. We had like three weeks before the first lockdown with COVID. Right. And then we went to like a Zoom room. And then at the start of season two was right in that window, post-vaccine, pre-Delta, right. where we went I back. remember it well. Oh, the oh memories. man, the, gold, the golden age. Yeah, uh, really. And we were back in the room for a couple of weeks before we went back to Zoom again. Tell me about the whole process of writing. I mean, if you're in the writer's room, you're contributing, but then there are certain episodes where you actually were the writer. How does that work in terms of how collaborative is the whole thing? And how does that work? So the process is very collaborative. Like Todd will come in with kind of some very big, broad ideas of where he wants the season to go. Themes, characters we might be using, like just very broad strokes. And we'll do a couple of weeks, what we call blue sky, which is just kind of talking about what it would be cool if this character did something like this, or if right, we had right. an episode that dealt with something like that. And we would just kind of write all those things down and kind of come to a couple of tip poles of like, okay, we want this thing to happen. This is our big bad. This is our other big bad. This is our other, other big bad. Like, you know, however we play it out. And then we start assigning episodes. And then when we do a specific episode, we do another round of blue skying for that episode. But we have a tent pole where we're like, okay, we know broadly this is going to happen this episode. So what else can happen? How can we get there? All of that. And so we'll do a couple of days or so of blue skying before we start like kind of locking in moments and scenes and beats and usually that conversation is led by the writer but everyone in the in the room is contributing and pitching ideas for scenes or moments or even lines of dialogue once we get it to a place that we like feel pretty good about it todd who kind of pops in and out of the room but he's dealing with like production stuff and you know all all the things showrunners dealing with todd will come in and will pitch out the scene to him and he'll give notes on that And then that writer will go off and do a story area, which is like a four or five, sometimes six or seven page document that just kind of lays out in like prose form, like what the episode's about, what's the theme, what are the A story, B story, C story, how do they interweave, kind of broken out by, usually by character. So it's like, here's Clark and Lois's story, here is Jordan and John's story. Speaking of that characters, episode seven introduced J.H. Jones, who is a black character. Were you assigned that because you're black or was that just a random thing that happened i i mean i wouldn't say i was assigned it because i was black but more it was a character that i you know really sparked to you can kind of tell if a writer would be into the type of story that is being told or if they're like sparking up a lot like in the blue skying of the season if there's a writer who's like always pitching stuff for a particular character generally they will be assigned that episode and so from early on the idea of creating john henry irons uh, it's irons not jones okay. irons yes john henry need to, irons. they need to enunciate more clearly on the <laughs> well he said he has a bunch of aliases you know a bunch of right, identities right, right. before it's revealed who he actually is that idea came from our writer's assistant at the time who's now a staff writer adam malinger but it was one of those things where it's like i was also kind of trending towards pitching who his reveal would be when he kind of pitched that i was like yes that has to be what it is and then i had a bunch of pitches for it especially like his back story and his origin like a lot of my like i just had a bunch of ideas for it was he originally black or was that something y'all added yeah no he was always going to be a black character so that was like the space where i you know i kind of was like all right go for it 
yeah, like and Todd gave me that episode. I was ex- I was very excited about it because Deal is one of my favorite characters from the comics and just in general. It was an exciting opportunity to kind of introduce him to you know this universe and obviously i won't give anything away but pretty sure he'll be back on season two speaking of which where are you in that process now we're midway through writing the season we've filmed a couple of episodes i guess you can't tell us anything about it can you I I can't. It's going to be exciting. That's all I can say. Well, I left it with a cliffhanger at the end of season one. I am very excited personally, uh, both as a writer on the show, but also just as a fan of Superman. Do you ever get to get on set? I know they shoot in Canada or something, but do y'all ever get to go to the shoot and see what's going on? Yeah, we shoot in Vancouver. Uh, last year, Todd went up and then one of the other, Christy, one of the other EPs went up. They were still trying to work out all of the COVID protocols and all right, of that. Right, right, yeah. This year, the writers have been going up to produce their episodes. Do you know if you have an episode yet assigned exclusively to you or co-written? I've co-written two. And my writing partner went up for the first one. And then I think I will be going up for this next one. You uh, mentioned you're a big Superman fan. Have you seen the new Spider-Man or are you even allowed to go outside the DC universe? <laughs> no, I I have seen the new Spider-Man. What'd you think? Don't give anything away. No spoilers. I loved it. I, it was one of my favorite movies of the year. I thought it was, it was one of my favorite superhero movies ever. I thought it was extremely well done. It was emotional. It was uh, very smart. And some great surprises. So yes, yes. Is there anything right now, a TV show or a movie that you're watching that's like, oh, this is really cool. Everybody should know about this. I just started Cobra Kai. I'm in season two of that. I think it's a lot of fun. Could um, not get into that. Sorry. I rewatched Karate Kid going into it. Yeah. I think the way that they're paying homage, but also flipping the script and it is really, really smart. So I'm excited to continue on that journey. Uh, there was something that I was like, I was love. Oh, The Big Leap. I really love The Big Leap. It's on Fox and it's a show about people who are kind of down on their luck signing up for this dance competition. Oh, it's a reality show. No, it's a narrative show. It's a oh, narrative, it a narrative show oh, okay. about a reality show. I got yeah, it. Okay. I saw a bunch of commercials for it and I was like, I don't know if this show is for me, but my friends are like, no, it's really well done. It's really funny. It's like very emotional. Like it's, it hits right. that kind of this is us bone. If you're into- Not like, at all. I thought it was really well done. I thought I'll have to check it out. I just started Yellow Jackets, the pilot for that. That's was pretty cool. interesting. I've been watching that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And the new Dexter is kind of fun too. It's actually getting pretty dark again. I haven't watched that one yet, but I probably uh, will. I think the last thing you actually wrote and directed was the short Slave Cry, which I got to see here, which was great. It was kind of fun and serious at the same time. Made a great statement. Have you got something else that you're uh, planning to do to write or direct? Maybe RVA? Possibly. I'm currently working on a short. I'm going to do another short that I would write and direct, also starring uh, my sister, who's an Who was the lead in Slave Cry. This one, I think, will be more of like an action thing, because I want to kind of start stretching those muscles a little bit. What about your Black Superman? I, You know, maybe at some point. We'll, yeah, cool. we'll see. We'll see. This has been great. You've, I've learned a lot about the show. I'm enjoying watching it, and I'll enjoy looking for season two. I want to thank you so much, Jay, for taking your time. You didn't chew or eat any during the meal. I hope you get a chance to finish your quinoa salad. Oh, no, it's all good. I, I knocked it out right before, uh, right before this, so okay, okay. good to go. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.
As we just discussed, the second season of Superman and Lois premiered yesterday, January 11th, on The CW. It'll eventually end up on HBO Max, where the first season lives now. Look for Jay's name in the opening credits on the shows he writes. By the way, it was renewed for season two after one episode of the original series aired. Also on Jay's advice, I checked out The Big Leap, and I'll pass judgment tomorrow in my review on Sifter. Coming soon. Eleven years after the fourth installment of the Scream franchise, a reboot returns this weekend with three of the original actors, Nev Campbell, plus Courtney Cox and David Arquette, who met when they were shooting one of the earlier movies, got married, and are now divorced. There'll also be a bunch of new victims, of course. Then there's Belle, which is an animated Japanese version of Beauty and the Beast. It received a 14-minute ovation at the Cannes Festival this year. The 100th birthday party for Betty White will still be shown on this Monday the 17th, but it's now called a celebration and will be in local theaters via Fathom Events. Due to COVID concerns, the Bird Theater has extended their closure through the end of January. As for streaming, John Cena stars as Peacemaker, part of the Suicide Squad world, and it drops Thursday on HBO Max. On Friday, Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth with Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington comes to Apple. So does the Ray Donovan movie on Showtime. How I Met Your Father with Hilary Duff, which is an obvious follow-up to the TV series, drops Tuesday on Hulu. The Sifter Podcast is published every Wednesday, featuring interviews, news, and reviews of film, TV, and streaming. You can listen or sign up for subscriptions at tvjerry.com. And if you have suggestions for shows or would like to be a guest reviewer, there's contact information there, too. Thanks for listening. See you next time. For more Sifter, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.